Huge savings on new and previously leased furnishings. That's right, huge savings. At Court Furniture Clearance Center, choose from our wide variety of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. You'll find sofas from $199.99 and more. Everything in our 9,000-square-foot showroom is Court-certified, guaranteed, and in stock. Ready for delivery or to take home today. Visit our Chandelier Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off. A warning from us here at the tape room. As with many of our reports, this episode deals with an unsolved murder. This case in particular includes what some might consider gruesome details of the crime and how the victim was discovered. We feel these clues are important to telling the whole story about what we know happened here. Well, she's strangled from behind with some sort of thin wire, uh, either a cord or a thin rope. And then she's bound with the same type of rope. It's bound on her hands and her feet. And But the, the bounding is, is post-mortem, so we, the, we believe that she was tied up just to be transported. It was easier to carry her when she was tied up. She was somewhat someone's daughter, maybe she was someone's sister, or she had a brother. Maybe she was someone's best friend. No matter who she was or where she came from, she wasn't supposed to be here. There's so many other places that you could put a body around there that no one would ever find her. That it seems like someone posed her and, and you know, it was for a reason. And it's, it's sad, it's humiliating for her as well. Laying there, naked, strangled, in front of a junkyard on the outskirts of Mount Vernon, New York. It's one of New York's largest cities, a suburb about 45 minutes north of Times Square in Westchester County. A diverse city with plenty of positives, but also where crime is not exactly uncommon. The murder rate, at one point, among the highest for a city of its size in the entire country. But this case was different. It stood out because of how little there was to go on. Mount Vernon police detective Chris DeMaze. I was in the homicide unit myself for uh, three years in the homicide unit, and we worked. I think we did, uh, I, honestly, there's so many, and it's so many, it's so backed up in Mount Vernon that you work on a lot of homicides. We worked in almost 20 cases at a time, uh, different cases going a little bit in each case. So some you solve, some you don't, some are still open. And you never had one like this one. No, this is different. Most of the cases we have is, uh, you get like, it's a gang on gang violence and you have uncooperative people, you know. This here, we have no one because there's no one to talk to about it. And everyone's interested in it, but no one, we can't help, we can't do nothing with it, you know. We have the cooperation, but nothing to go on. Just this young woman, lifeless in front of that junkyard. But who was she? My name is Dan Bowens, and you are listening to The Tape Room, a podcast here on the Fox 5 network of podcasts. Here we take a look back at some of the tri-state area's infamous and unsolved crimes. We think it's important to shed new light 
on these cases. Hello? Hi, is this Jessica? Yes, it is. Is this Dan? Hi, Jessica. Yes, how are you doing? Thank you so much for uh, making a few minutes for us. This is Jessica Rocchio, an amateur sleuth of sorts. That's how she found this case, read about it on a community forum. The mystery of Jane Doe, the Mount Vernon murder. It was 1988, Valentine's Day, when they found her body outside that junkyard. Nearly three decades later, Jessica and two other women she met on that community forum thought they should do something, so they created a Facebook page. What do you think it was, or what do you think it is, about this case in particular that sort of piqued the interest of, of all three of you enough to start a Facebook page and monitor the Facebook page and update the Facebook page? I think it's the fact that there are just so many unknowns in her case um, where a lot of Jane Doe's they're able to determine if they've given birth or had some sort of clue about clothing. You know, this Jane Doe had no clothing. She'd never given birth. There's no possibility of her having a child out there. So it's kind of like just a bunch of dead ends. And for me, being from Mount Vernon, I was very surprised because it's such a small town. Everybody knows everybody. And for anyone not to know her, it's obvious she wasn't from here. And it's just, it's the only unsolved case that we have in town. It's the only Jane Doe case that we have in town, I should say. It's the only unsolved Jane Doe case in Mount Vernon. The odds here aren't great. In the infinite universe of the internet and social media, someone finding this random Facebook page with information about the case is a tiny possibility. But for Detective DeMaze, anything helps. It does help the case. Yeah, it does. It, it, it brings, if anything, it brings an interest to the case and it keeps it relevant as opposed to just putting it in the closet and forgetting about it. He was assigned the case in 2013, 25 years after the crime. This all happened Valentine's Day, 1988. February 14, 1988, about early morning, a worker comes back to, to go to work at his uh, place of business there at the scrapyard, and he finds the, the dead body in front of his shop as he's going in. He notifies the police, please get there, they find a uh, female, white she's probably between 19 and 20 years old she's uh, uh unclothed naked all the way um and she appears to be placed in a in front of this uh place like with her hands at her side and her feet at her you know feet straight out not just dumped out there she's just laying there and she has and once the police get there they realize she is, she's been strangled there's visible signs of strangulation She was young, late teens, early 20s, blonde hair, hazel eyes. She was attractive. Whoever killed her was careful. The body was placed on a set of used garage door springs. 
It was broad daylight, no clothes in sight, no tracks or tire marks left behind. Just the body, Jane Doe. Again, here's the detective. It's almost impossible to do anything unless, like, there's nothing. You really, honestly, you've, you basically have just that crime scene and then you have nothing else unless a lead would come in somewhere along the way that you could follow up on and maybe that take you to the next level. But uh, as far as her, her crime, it pretty much ended at the crime scene there. There's nothing more. There's no evidence of anything left by the crime scene. There's no video. There was no witnesses at the time. Nothing. These days, a crime like this, there'd probably be a security camera somewhere nearby. Maybe a cell phone to track, a Facebook page to look into, a license plate to search and follow through an easy-pass toll booth. But in 1988, the Sony Walkman hadn't been invented yet. They haven't even created a desktop fax machine, and AOL wasn't even a thing yet. How, how does that start at that point? I mean, where do, where do they go from at that point? Well, they, they start with... Uh... They start with dental records and they're doing fingerprints, but nothing's coming back. Her, she has no dental work done to her teeth are perfect or never been touched by a dentist. So there's no dental work done. Her fingerprints don't come back in any system. Uh, the, and that's pretty much the, the next step is to all that they were doing was going around with a photograph of her to try to see like local clubs and bars and stuff in that area say, has this woman been here, you know? but nothing came of it going door to door basically you know have you seen this girl do you know who she is have you ever seen her before um you know then the i think they got something back that she was she had eaten chinese food so they were able to they went to a couple of restaurants in the area this, has this girl been in here to get food do you know any information you know but nothing there was a big influx of brazilian immigrants into the area at that time so police reach out to a Brazil TV station, get the messages back to Rio and Sao Paulo, but it leads nowhere. They're, they're also looking into the possibility that she may have been a sex worker, that she may have been a prostitute, or it may have been some kind of human trafficking kind of thing. I mean, is that, does, 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 do you have to sort of turn and look in that direction now? It does, and you're checking, but there's nothing, you know, there's nothing going on significant in Mount Vernon at that time of, of any kind of sex trafficking or, or that kind of thing, or... It's not reported or you're not really hearing about it. They're checking with New York City. I, you know, going over the reports, it show that they went to New York City and they did all that. They followed up with some leads on like um, prostitution rings or something like that, but nothing came of it. And so they're looking at the possibility that she's an exotic dancer or she's they're going to topless bars. I mean, they're mm -hmm. they're 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 doing that work. I mean, they're trying to see. Right. But in the one sense, in that line of work, if it is someone. Uh, from from that line of work, that that may be difficult to 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 get them to cooperate in the one sense. Is that I mean, is that something that they, exactly that they run that, into? that's the next problem that you're having? You're not dealing with the most uh, upstanding citizens when you're dealing with people in that kind of business. You know, so they're not very helpful to the police. Then I, I know they went and did some. They did an FBI profile on her early on, and sent it out nationwide to, to expand to see if someone finds her. This is before DNA could be matched for missing people, but maybe she'll come up in a missing persons case as some family's looking for her, somebody will see her, but still nothing. The case goes cold. They can't solve this murder because they can't figure out who she is. Decades go by. DeMaze gets the case 25 years later. Technology has vastly improved and there is a glimmer of hope. They get a hit on DNA. What was that lead, if I could ask? 
we had gotten information there was a DNA hit from these fingernail scrapings under her fingernails and that it came back to a, uh, it was a, I guess out of 16 matches, it was like a 12 point match mm-hmm. of DNA hits. Right. So we, um, uh, so we just followed up on the lead, found out who the person was. Turns out he was in, he comes, he was living in Massachusetts at the time of the homicide. So he was in Massachusetts. And so did that eliminate him or did that make it so you guys wanted to go talk to him even, even more, even regardless? No, we still wanted to go talk to him, but then we, we just did, I did a little more research and um, I called the local PD. The guy had like an extensive criminal record, mostly drugs and stuff. So I checked his crim- checked with the local PD and to see if he was, um, if they knew who he was or anything like that. And actually, the, the, I, I guess I got another senior cop who knew the guy. He's like, yeah, I know him. And he gave me a lot of information. Turns out the guy was in jail at the time of the homicide, so it wasn't him. So there goes one lead, a strong lead, a guy with a DNA potential match, a criminal background, but he's in prison at the time when this murder had happened. Around this same time, a New Jersey family comes forward, saying their relative, Kathleen Martin, is the Jane Doe victim. She vanished around the same time, may have been in the area, but... Kathleen Martin doesn't fit the description. She had dental work done, she had a child. Uh, Jane Doe never had children. I guess they could tell that from the autopsy. But they could tell she never had children, and Kathleen Martin did. And she also had dental work, done extensive dental work, and uh, Jane Doe doesn't. Mm, and so, so in the one sense, there's a family who is saying, please, this is, this is our relative. She's gone missing. She may have, for whatever reason, had a connection to the Mount Vernon area. She may have been passing through there. And when something like that happens, you, you, you know, you feel obligated to, to look into it. But, you know, there's when when that stuff isn't lining up, I mean, how quickly can you sort of start to rule out uh, someone like a Kathleen Martin? I, I, the farthest I went is to I got in touch with the family and I was able to get DNA from the family, um, some hairbrush uh, some, from a hairbrush. And we matched the DNA with the DNA on their Jane Doe to exclusively rule her out, saying it doesn't match at all. There's nothing. And that's the end of the, the case there. Now he's hoping new DNA testing could uncover new clues. A long shot, maybe, but a possibility. These tests are very expensive, though, and the department is already stretched thin. Well, they have, there's, there's a, a, a new study out there. It's a, there's a new a DNA test. It's an isotope test. What it supposedly does is takes the DNA and breaks it down and can give you a, based on the food and the water and stuff that you eat or or have eaten in your lifetime would tell you where, a region of where you might be in the world. Mm. So that would tell you if she was- Based on the minerals and stuff like that are in your body. That would help you figure out if she was from South America or if she was from Michigan or something like that. Brooklyn, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, That would help. Yeah. But the problem with that is, the problem with that is, is, uh, is funding, number one. It's to try to get the case like, to say, like, you know, are we still interested in this case? And then there's like a homicide pretty much every week in Mount Vernon, you know, or every month. It's busy like that. So to keep a case like this going, it's hard to get funding or get uh, interest in it from the police department. The end of the line for now, but not the end of this story. At least if Jessica, that Facebook page and its growing group of followers have any say. I really hope 
hope that we can find her name and that we can find who did this to her because they could still be here. They could still be living in Mount Vernon. You never know. And a message from that Facebook page written about Jane Doe says, quote, I deserve justice. I deserve to have my name back. And I deserve for my killer to be brought to trial and answer for what they have done. They are still out there. You can contact the Mount Vernon Police Department and Detective DeMaze by calling 914-668-6841. Again, that's the Mount Vernon Police Department, 914-668-6841. Or if you have other information about the case, you can also text message them at 847-411. The Tape Room is part of the Fox 5 Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dan Bowens. This episode was recorded, edited, and mixed by Matt Onimus. Our executive producers are myself, Matt Onimus, and Ahmad Asgar. Byron Harmon is vice president of Fox 5 News, and Lou Leone is vice president and general manager. Stay tuned for the next episode of The Tape Room. 